Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. G'day guys, welcome to episode number 11 of Tell Me Your Tales. In this week's episode, I have a chat with Andrew Briggs. Andrew is the senior coach of Echuca Footy Club. and He's been there for the last three years, just about to kick off his fourth year this weekend. In this chat, we talk about his upbringing, his time playing TSC Cup, his time playing for Echuca, his time at the VFL, and that transition from player to coach, and now some of his leadership styles and what excites him about 2017 in the footy season. It was good to really hear Briggsy open up. Obviously, um, he'd, had, he'd do a bit of media here and there, but it'd all be kind of one-line quotes for newspapers and news outlets, so it was good to actually just have a cup of tea and just talk for an hour and I think four minutes and just, um, yeah, really unpack what makes him tick and what he's passionate about and, yeah, I, um, I really appreciate him giving up a bit of his time especially this close to the footy season starting. Um, I haven't known Briggsy for a long time. I think I met him in about October last year. He sent me an email asking asking if I'd be interested in doing a bit of coaching, of course, running coaching for the Echuca Footy Club. And at that time, I'd just made the the decision to drop a day's worth of work. I'd just come back from Europe and Berlin. And I was a bit apprehensive about it at the start. I knew I was kind of um, giving up a day's work to really concentrate on my own running. And then to kind of take a position where I'd be concentrating on you know, 40 other blokes' runnings and fitness. Um, yeah, as I said, I was a bit apprehensive about it at the time, but we kind of made it work and he's been super flexible. And uh, as I said, we're about to kick off round one this week and I'm really excited about yeah, just how fit some of these guys are. Um, their passion for the footy, obviously, but just their passion for how much they want to get better which is really important, you know. I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that, but guys are kind of sending me messages asking what they should have for dinner the night before before a game, and we've kind of been talking about energy gels and caffeine and, you know, sleeping in skins and just little kind of one percenters that we do in running and probably have just developed over the years that we can share with other people. So I've actually had a really really good time in that role. I'm super excited to watch him play this weekend. yeah, it's been good to hang around a group of blokes as well. I think being a primary school teacher, I'm the only male at my school. And um, yeah, sometimes we get in a bit of a bit of a... I think hanging around blokes is sometimes good for us. Hanging around 11-year-old kids and then um, females all day. And yeah, it's good to be... And running by yourself is obviously pretty isolating. So hanging around a group of blokes has been super rewarding. Um, yeah, great bloke. Oh, um, yeah, you'll enjoy this. I think it's got some got some good content in there very wise guy did a running clinic with, or we did a sports clinic yesterday with him actually so i really appreciate him giving up his time we uh 
We put on a bit of a school holiday fitness session for kids in Echuca Moama and got 150 people there, or 149 kids there, which was fantastic. Um, that's what I'm all about, promoting kind of health and well-being in our community and it was good to have Forever Fresh bring some fruit down, so healthy eating and um, yeah, guys like Briggs here to give up an hour and their half of their school holidays because he's a primary school teacher as well, kind of says a lot about him as a person, which I'm super grateful for. Anyway, you probably don't want to hear me rambling on for long, so enjoy this chat. Andrew Briggs, welcome to um, Tell Me Your Tales. Thanks, Brady. Thanks for having me. We're in the uh, back house today. The Airbnb people haven't checked in yet. They'll be here in about two hours, but um, it's a beautiful day outside. It's good to kind of get some time with you. We'll uh, try not to keep it too long, mate, <laughs> so the yeah. guests can uh, come and make their start. I said that to Carly. I'm like, oh, these guests, we could be still down here talking, the amount of stuff I could talk to you about. So um, could be interesting, but we'll see how we go. Yeah. Before we start, do you want to maybe introduce yourself a bit? Yeah, no, Andrew Briggs, um, I'm 34 years old, uh, I'm currently a school teacher and a, a senior coach at the Echuga Football Club. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably, at the moment, that's probably where I'm at. Pretty modest kind of description. Very yourself. modest, a few, yeah. Uh, a few <laughs> other achievements we'll get to later on in there. But um, let's go through the upbringing, Echuga boy, born and bred. Yeah, so um, born in Ballarat. Yeah. Um, so mum and dad and family are from Ballarat and at about two years old, um, dad had the opportunity to um, move to Deniloquin and um, get into a tractor dealership up there. So he was a tractor salesman um, with John Deere yeah. and so they made that move up to Deniloquin and um, really didn't know anyone up there and uh, so I lived there from two years old to 10 and then we moved to Echuca again with, with dad's work and um, what is now Hoyslers, it was uh, Mid-Murray Machinery. So he bought into that and then became a, um, a managing partner and became the boss there as well. So, yeah, right. Um, and that's, yeah, so from 10 to um, 18, lived in Echuca. What was that move like? What, grade five? Got all your mates at primary school up yeah. there and then all of a sudden you're moving schools just before you kind of hitting puberty and hitting teenage years what was that like yeah it was um finished grade three in Dinoquin and then moved to Echuca so grade four and um yeah it was a big change it was it was something that um I, I see a lot of kids deal with these days as well and being a school teacher so the change was um yeah although it, it can be difficult I think for me it was it was pretty easy because, you know, I was into my sport, could get straight into a team. Um, so I found it probably easier than some kids. But leaving behind, um, probably the, the swimming was probably one thing I left behind in Denny. So when I moved to Echuca, um, went and joined the swimming club and and found it wasn't as, as um, maybe as welcoming or didn't, it wasn't as... Um, comfortable for me so then I stopped swimming so while I was in Denny I I um, yeah, became quite a good swimmer as a young kid and um, went and swam at some um, Riverina um, carnivals and 
and went to Canberra and swam in a um, like a, a state sort of carnival thing there as well as a nine-year-old. So yeah. it's a bit um, of a shame then, isn't it? When you obviously you got that talent, if you get to that level as a junior and then. Yeah dropping out at such an early rate just because it's not a supportive environment um what could have been i kind of guess i think it was more the the individual sort of thing so i think i gravitated towards the the team aspect you know playing basketball and football and and those sorts of things so i, I really enjoyed swimming i really enjoyed competing yeah and for me i, I asked my mum and dad i couldn't put my head underwater <laughs> probably at about seven or eight i really couldn't put my head underwater until uh, someone handed me a pair of goggles. Well, you're a big kid as well. Like, you're a big boy now. Like, where you're one of those dominant, um, you know, junior kids who was yeah. a head taller than everyone else in primary school? Um, I was always tall, um, but very skinny. Yeah. Very skinny. So, you know, I'm 196 centimetres and 104 kilos now. But, you know, when I was 18, I was the same height, but 80... To 85 kilos when I was a kid you know oh. you could see my ribs I was a I was a stick <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being able to see your ribs I'm um, a bit of a fan of <laughs> seeing ribs um, yeah right so then did you go to 208 or where were you yeah. what primary school yeah yeah so I moved to Echuca and went to 208 so the old campus um, and where was the old campus was that so that that's where the Paramount Theatre is at the moment yeah right I didn't know that at all yeah so that's the, the old buildings where the TAFE is yep there were some old classrooms in there with um, Mr. White, who actually, Mel White, still yeah. is around our school and does our grounds. He and, mowed the lawns. Yeah. I was um, ran past there on Tuesday and he was mowing the lawns and I thought, beautiful, yeah. we've got this book tomorrow. This is a good sign for us. So he was my grade five teacher yeah. um, and our cricket coach at school. So um, drop catches, lose matches, I always remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, move, yeah, the, the grade four start there and I met some... Some friends that I, I still have now, um, you know, some 20 years later, yep. they're still close mates. Then at Chuka College or St. Joey's? Yeah, Chuka College yep. after that. Um, you know, so that was the Chuka High School at the time. Yep. So again, that's yeah. no, no longer exists. No longer there, yep. Um, that was really good. Um, and, you know, the guys that I was friends with at, at uh, primary school continued friendships throughout high school. And, you know, we went to the footy on the weekend, so we're, we're still close mates and, you know, it's been over 20 years, so it's, it's, pretty good, it's isn't it? good to have those kind of mates. They um, they keep you grounded yep. no matter where you go in life, I think. And so. the team sports, did that continue throughout secondary school? Yeah, basketball was my first love. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I loved basketball. And that was, that's all I wanted to be. I wanted to be as tall as Michael Jordan, uh, six foot six, so I just, just under that. Um, and I wanted to play NBA. Yeah. That's, that's what I wanted to do, so... Yeah, the basketball was was something I just I totally loved. It was five days a week, um, you know, weekends, all that kind of stuff. That I just I, I absolutely loved it. Did you play like representative, like trying out for big teams and things like that, or how far did you go? Yeah, that's it represented the town and the pirates and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And then it got to the point where um, must have been under six days, I think, and trying out for big country, and just not quite good enough and at the same time um, some opportunities presented themselves with football as well so the Bendigo Pioneers came knocking on the door and said oh you're you know good young kid you know could be potential um, suit for our under 18 squad so I sort of 
started to look at the football side of things and thought, gee, it's hard to make basketball. It's mm. yeah. five on the court. A seven man, eight man team. Yeah. It's whole a, of it country you're up against. It's tough. So it's tough to make it in that in that sport. So um, I, I changed my thinking a little bit because mm. um, there was a period there where um, must have been under 16s. I was not probably not going to play football. Um, to pursue the basketball? No, to actually, I was thinking oh, I might give the basketball away, but I had mates that were bike riders. Oh, mate, I wanted <laughs> so, to be a skateboarder when I was 16. I dropped out of all sport to be a skateboarder, so I can really relate to this. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. a BMX or like mountain or? It was mountain bike riding. So I had this idea that I was going to compete in mountain bike riding and with a couple of other mates, and, and that was going to be what I was going to do <laughs> over the winter. And then, you know, at school and... You know, the kids ask, you know, you, you come down to training, you, you know, play football, and you're like, oh, I don't know. And then, anyway, they convinced me, and I, I went down, and so bottom age under 16s, and, and went down to Echuca and, and played. And obviously, I love the competition, so yeah, I love that, that aspect of it. So I enjoyed that year. And um, and then the my top age 16s year, I decided that I was going to play under 18 football. So yeah. I, I forewent the that top age year and went straight up to under 18 football. How does someone at 16 make that decision to, no, you would been 15. Yeah, 15, yeah. To make that decision that I don't want to be a big fish in a small pond, I want to push myself to, to play a bit against the better guys. Um, I think I was encouraged by the coaches. Yeah. Um, I've asked mum and dad about this and, and they swear that they were never asked. Yeah. <laughs> that I just did it and, and I'm not sure if that's true or not, but, um, I was definitely encouraged by coaches and the coaches at, um, at the Benigo Pioneers as well because they were showing interest. I thought, oh, this, is, this, sh- this should be the way I, I go and really test myself and and um, and have a crack at that. So that's what I did and went up down the 18s and probably wasn't cut out for it in the first five games, you know. Straight I'm, in the deep end kind of thing. This tall, skinny kid, you know, I was probably the height I am now. Yeah. But I would have weighed... 75 kilo you know like it was yeah. a stick you know so running around competing against 18 year olds um, yeah it was it was tough but then you you find your feet and you gain a bit of confidence and by the end of the year I think I might have got the, the coaches award or something like that but by the end of the year I felt really comfortable um, and then the following year I started playing senior football so you were yeah. 16, 17 playing senior footy. Yeah, so bottom age under 18s. At GV League, yeah. 17 playing under 18 football. But I was really lucky. I Even though I went up to under 18s at a, at a young age, so did a number of other my teammates who were actually a year younger than me. So yeah, I'm talking guys like um, Scott McGlone and, and Christian Height. Um, Josh Maddox, these guys have gone on and played VFL yeah. or got themselves onto an AFL list. We're really blessed with the, the talent around my age yeah. level. Um, so they were a year younger than me and they were playing under 18 football as well. It says a bit so, about who you surround yourself with. Like, so if the benchmarks at a certain height yeah. and those guys are bringing the level, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely got to help you out for sure. Yeah. So then... Straight in the pioneers. So you're mixing it in with senior footy and a bit of pioneers at the same time, or didn't make pioneers bottom age. Yeah. Um, yeah. So deemed um, not good enough, and that's, that's probably right. I wasn't. Um, wasn't quite ready. How'd you bounce back from that? Um, 
oh, I probably didn't expect to make it. Okay. So yeah. I was hoping, actually, you know, really hoping, but um, we got a new senior coach at Echuca. Um That was Rod O'Reilly. He was only there for a year. Um, and he was really good for me because he he um, invested a bit of confidence in me and, and a bit of time. Um, I know from probably other senior players that his year at the football club cost the, the club financially uh, for a long period of time afterwards. Yeah. Had a philosophy of buying Mel- uh, Melbourne players and um, that didn't last too long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he was gone after a year, but he, he gave me opportunities to play senior football and I did that and proved it to the pioneers that I was you know, ready to play with them and, and that happened the following year. Who were some of the good senior players back then? Like, you're in the rooms before the game, you're, you're 16, 17. Who were some of the guys you looked up to? Yeah, well, I mean, Simon Eichold was, was definitely yeah. one. He had just finished his coaching tenure and he was still playing. And, you know, in terms of a, a leader, he was someone that I looked up to all the time. Um, he Why? What skills did he have? Oh, he could just rally the troops. Yeah. Um, you know, it was having coach for five or six years just the way he could um direct um use his voice on the ground communicate it was really clear and and really showed me um what it takes to to be a a leader and a contributor to a really big contributor um yeah so he he was a, a leader um yeah there's there's plenty of other guys brendan hogan um at the time um you know, some Melbourne guys that um, you know were really good as well mm. that um, stuck around the footy club Brendan Power who's now doing a little bit of running for me as well um, yeah he, he was just a, a great in and under player and you know very skillful so there's a, so many guys that um, yeah, you look up to yeah it was, it was a good team they I think finished on top and got knocked down in straight sets oh, I think so it's no good yeah but, uh, but yeah. then the year after, so obviously the pioneers come knocking again, and had a bit of a change of tune. Yeah, playing senior football puts you on the radar a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, so which was good. Um, I still raw, still very skinny, um, but yeah, they gave me an opportunity. So I played uh, majority of the season down there with um, with the pioneers and some games back here at Chuka. Probably yeah, majority of the season was at the pioneers, and then. Six or seven senior games back at the Chuka. Yeah, so under, was that, that under Ken Sheldon? So oh yeah, right. So yeah. was that the year that um, Dale Sano and the two Salwood twins were they that year? Rick Ladson or they? Yeah, so those guys are a year younger than me. So younger. my, it's incredible that the the list that was at the Pioneers at the time. Yeah, so I remember I'm, being in high school in Bendigo at the time. It was just amazing. Yeah, so my my top age year we had Luke Livingston drafted number four. Um, Callum Beasy drafted number 40-something to Carlton as well. Um, Daniel Harris was top 20 somewhere, went to North Melbourne. Um, who else? There was Simon Wiggins. No, sorry, he's... Uh, sorry, I played with him in Carlton. Um, who else was there? Gee, there was a number of guys. So Rick Ladson was a year younger than me. Yeah. Del Sano, a year younger than me. Um 
and there was uh, guys that got rookied later on as well. Yeah. There was probably 12 guys that ended up on AFL lists yeah, in right. the top page year. So. But once again, crazy. it's the same story that you surrounded yourself, or you've been in a situation where you're surrounded by yeah. the best junior footballers in the country. Yeah, and at the same time, so much talent didn't make finals. Yeah, yeah, right. Crazy, yeah, so didn't make finals. Yeah, yeah, that is um, interesting. So finished off there, a few games back at Echuca, and then what happened next? Yeah, so... Finished um, year 12? Finished year 12, um, didn't do as well as I thought I'd do. Um, yeah. I did an extra subject in year 11, uh, that was business management, and um, so I got that extra subject for year 12. Um, yeah, didn't do as well as I thought I'd do, around about a, I don't know, 70 or 75, ATAR or whatever it was, um, and uh, decided that I was going to go to uni and decided that engineering was the way to go. Um, yeah, and that's that's what I did for a couple of years at uni, while and then move down there to play football and go to uni and get stuck in the life down there. Back to that year 12 stuff, though. Playing playing footy all over the state on a Saturday morning, being involved mm. in senior... We're hanging around kind of training with senior footballers during the week and when you've got an off week with the Pioneers. Pro- looking back, probably not the best preparation for year 12 studies at the time. Not at all. Yeah. I, was, I was doing... Um, methods specialists yeah. um, so I was doing some pretty heavy subjects as well and in hindsight I probably should have dropped one subject in year 12 and really focused on just doing four because that cost me a fair bit I reckon of just my time and you know, I just spread too thin Yeah. Um, and you know you, as a young kid you love sport so I I was really keen to, to keep playing the sport and sometimes I would leave the homework and stuff till the end and, and that probably compromised my my score in the end and um, yeah but it, it's all in the past so but yeah at the time it was really difficult to juggle and I feel sorry for some of the kids out there now um, what they have to deal with uh, with that juggling act there's a lot of pressure probably mm-hmm. too much way too much pressure yeah. having gone through it I just think you know pick the subjects you like um, not the subjects that maybe some other people want you to do, and and you work yeah, things will work out. That's probably what I didn't do. Um, should never have done specialist maths. It was you know, yeah. way, way too hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever in your position now as the head coach at Chuka? Like, do you see 17, 18 year old kids who are playing senior footy and going through that same kind of thing? And do you have those conversations with them as the coach, or is it strictly footy, no life advice, or? Yeah, there's a bit of balance with that. Um, it's tough in terms of time constraints to to give that advice, um, but you definitely have the sympathy. You know, the guys that are, you know, they do call you up and say, "Oh, I can't make it tonight. I've got too much homework." Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you know, you've got to have a good balance of family, work, study, footy. You know, it's footy's a couple of hours on Tuesday, a couple of hours on Thursday, and then the Saturday. So. You know, you've got to take the, the balanced approach to it and you've got to help these young guys, particularly when they transition to work as well because mm. they're, they're tired, you know, they're adjusting to just working full-time. Especially tradies. Yeah. It's hard, yeah, hard on the body. Yeah, well, you know, they're working eight, nine hours. They're, they're knackered and they turn up and I'm asking them to mm. try as hard as they can. So you've got to yeah. think back to when when you started full-time work and that's pretty tough. It is, yeah. Um, so I finished year 12 off to Melbourne to do engineering footy how did that fit in yeah so 
that fit in quite well. Were you ever a chance to get drafted or anything, like off the back of Pioneers, like were clubs interested? No, not off the back of that top age year. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was no real interest um, off, off the back of that. Only just a little bit of interest at, at Carlton, so they invited me down, did a bit of training over the summer and played in some pre-season games in their VFL squad. Yeah. Um, and then the, I asked them, I was living in Melbourne, I didn't have a car, I didn't have a phone, so... You know, I had an answering machine when I first yeah, moved right. to Melbourne. So, um, you know, about six months later, that sort of changed a little bit. I had to get a car and I had to get a phone and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, initially I was living down there and I wasn't planning on travelling back to Echuca. And I'd asked the Carlton Footy Club, oh, where, you know, where should I play? And I don't know any footy clubs in Melbourne. So they directed me just down the road to Uni Blues, um, Melbourne Uni Blues. So I went down there. I didn't know anyone they didn't know me so started playing some under-19s there um, quickly started playing some senior footy there as well but um, just didn't get a, a great feel um, from the senior coach there um, they weren't that interested in, in young guys whereas I'd come from Ken Sheldon at Echuca play the young guys you know give us an opportunity you know that was great so I went living in Melbourne you know, I really missed, I probably missed Ken Sheldon's coaching, number one. And so halfway through that season, or a little bit before halfway, I decided that no, I'm going to travel back and play for a trigger. Yeah. So I did. So yeah, Kenny was ringing me saying, you know, come back and play. And so I decided to do that, um, which was uh, which was really good. And um, that year, I, I sort of I played well enough in, in the ammos to... Um, be selected in their under-19s representative squad. Played really well, and North Melbourne saw me in that practice game, and so I'm in, a min- in amongst going back to Echuca, and just before that, I'd played that representative game. North Melbourne came knocking on the door and said, oh, do you want to come down and and, and train and, and play in our VFL squad? So I was like, yeah, absolutely. You Lucky know, you got that phone, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that's the, yeah, I had the phone, I could answer <laughs> the call. So, um, and that was that was unreal. You know, I got invited down to to training. You know, there's some North Melbourne greats down there. I'm, I'm out there. The first person I met was David King. Yeah, right. And you know, I'd seen him on TV playing. He was rough and burly, and you know, had plenty to say. And and I was like, oh my god. What, what am I do? I'm way out of place here. So, and he just grabbed me straight away. And I'll, I'll always remember this. He just grabbed me straight away. What's your name? Where you from? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're with me, young fella. You're with me. So we, he just took me through everything, you know, the beginning of training. Um, he just made me feel that comfortable straight away that that I was able to really enjoy the, the training session. Um, so much so that like Dennis Pagan called me over during the, during the session and, he said, oh, you, you, you're pretty comfortable. I said, oh, well, well Kingy had me before training. He made me feel really welcome. So I, I just want to be here too, you know. I want to show what I can do. So you know, I'm running around with Wayne Carey and Glenn Archer and Anthony Stevens and yeah, um, right. Sav Rocker and, <laughs> um, you know, Brent Harvey, Daniel Well, like all these players. So the know. VFL and AFL team are training together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was always got invited to the AFL training. Yeah. So it was crazy just to, 
yeah, to be running around with those guys and yeah, you know, end up playing two or three games in their VFL squad, just a bit of a trial thing. So it was a great opportunity. And then, yeah, continued playing back at Echuca and playing the flag with Kenny Sheldon and, and a few other teenage boys that I grew up with. Yeah, and that was 2001? 2001, yeah. yeah. That would yeah. have been pretty special. Like that whole, what you just described, the starting out as a junior, going away, yeah. and then finding yourself back there to experience that would have been pretty awesome. It was a real, real topsy-turvy kind of year, you know, having played in different teams. To, yeah. find, to find your feet in a team is really important. And I wasn't able to do that. Um, but going back to Chuga was always comfortable. It was always re- a really good environment for me. So that grand final team, you know, we had six teenagers. Yeah. You know, incredible. So it was myself, 19. Christian Hyde, who was 18, he got best on ground. Um, Andrew Kelly, who's now... a Geelong Football League legend, um, Josh Maddox, is Simon Maddox's yeah. brother, went, played um, played VFL, played SNFL. <clears throat> um, Chris Jones, he got rookied to St Kilda, um, played centre-half back, he was 18 as well. Um, Reese Archard, yeah. obviously, you know, Reese has gone on and won the McGarry, won a few different league medals as well. So, the, so they're all local boys, like local all, 18, 19 yeah. year old kids who have come from the town. Yeah, all, all come from the town. So it was um, it was an incredible time, you know. It was, what was the feel it was like really around good. the town? Like the Chuka winning a, winning a flag and with those young kids in there yeah. and some old legends as well. Like, Did you appreciate it at the time? No. No, no, no. Now knowing where you've come from, yeah. Now... Now knowing what it takes to win one, winning one later on at 25, 26, um, yeah, it would be, I'd love to go back and take myself out of the environment and look at what it was like. Yeah. Um, or be one of the older players because it was, it was a great time. It, um, it really was, but I don't think I appreciated it for what it was yeah. at the time. I didn't understand yeah. how important it was, how significant it was um, for the club, for some of the players. Um, it was just another game of footy for me to try and put another good game on the park to try and get to where I wanted to get to. Yeah. Really, that's that's what it was for me. Which, that's a good way to look at it. Like, we do the same in running. It's just focus on the process here and now, and then that's just yeah. one big part of the pyramid. Yeah, I just had to play my role in the day and, and do what do what Ken asked me to do. Um, and and that's, that's all I wanted to do. Sounds yeah. like you had so much respect for Ken. Yeah, no, he was, he was a great teacher of the game. Um, yeah, very um, philosophical at times and um, could talk for a long time at times as well. You ask some of the older players and uh, they've got some interesting stories. But, yeah, for me, he was he was just someone who he really wanted to see young kids play well and get opportunities. And, you know, he's blessed at the time to have some good, talented young kids. But... Um, yeah, I'll always um, thank him for his contribution to, to developing me. And then to Carlton after that? Yeah, so... Back to Melbourne. Did enough that year, so... And then decided that I would stay in Melbourne, play in Melbourne, and, um, yeah, that opportunity to go to Carlton was really good. So Was that from the seed you'd already planted a couple of years before, do you think? Yeah, so that previous pre-season, I'd done some training... Um, and obviously they were aware of me and Kenny Sheldon helped me with that as well. Um, then obviously did enough to uh, warrant 
more attention. Um, and there was a, a bit of attention from other clubs as well. I think Adelaide were um, someone that were a little bit interested, but Carlton were the main ones. Um, and I was probably hoping as a real outside chance to maybe get rookied or something like mm. that, but realistically that wasn't going to happen. Um, so they gave me the opportunity to try and actually gave me the opportunity, myself and another guy, Dom Gleeson at the time, to do the full pre-season with the AFL squad. So we're the only two guys. We had to get the special permission to do this, to do that. But we trained the whole pre-season with the AFL squad. And so Dom at the time, I didn't know him, but I knew his older brother. And we ended up living together um, over that period. And um, we're still mates now. But um, the two of us were training with the AFL squad. And um, I think Wayne Britton was in maybe his second year. And... You know, there's Kudafidis, Bradley, Ratton. Um, Fit guys too to be like rocking up with in pre-season. Andrew McKay. Like like these Carlton legends, uh, you know, played in grand finals, even won premierships. You know, Brendan Favola was a young guy at the time. Um, and some real, you know, some serious players in that list. And um, that was a good time. I really got to test myself. I was a really good runner as yep. a young kid. Um so I got the before going to Carlton, I got the opportunity to do the the draft um, screening. They just had one day in Melbourne. Yeah. Not the the draft camp was in Canberra. The draft screening was in in Melbourne. So I went along to that and tested really really quite well. Um, can't jump, but I can certainly run. Yeah. Give so me some times. I. So my beep, well, my beep test was um, fourteen eight. Yep. So that's what really got me noticed. Yeah. Was my endurance levels. So that was... Um, did you do that, a 3K or something as well? What was the... No, we didn't do a 3K, that one. We did. We just did the beep test. Yeah. Yeah, so 14 8 the beep test was... Did you win it uh, that day? I think it might have been second or something yeah. like that. So um, so that was probably the highlight, and that's probably what stood out to yeah. them. People started noticing. Yeah, so then, yeah, did the, this pre-season where it was tough. Oh, starting oh, like October, November? Yeah, starting... Um, November, right the way through to March, we got yep. to, I got to train the full preseason, play intra club matches and all that kind of stuff, and it was it was unbelievable. You know, getting looked after that way, and I was still working on the side as well. Yeah, so part time job. Yeah, so still yeah. At uni. So still uni. So it's uni holidays. Yeah. So I'm working at a factory, um, you know, packing boxes and shelves, and then going to training. Whereas the other guys oh, were, yeah. you, you know, and that one other guy are probably working yeah. and everyone else we, is getting paid to train absolutely so we're um, that was an unbelievable experience you know like when you got coach, we got leaders of that calibre and then you got coaches you know Stephen Kernahan and um, Stephen Silvani they were, they were coaches you know like who, who better to learn off than yeah. and two greats like that so you know and it was tough you know there was some I remember one session that I We'll never ever forget it. It was a Friday afternoon. It was about thirty-four degrees. It was hot, and we did um, we did six eight hundreds, and around Princess Park or the, uh, just over, just around the oval. Yeah. yeah. So we did that after about the fourth one. Um, Luke Livingston and I think it was a guy called Lindsay Smith. They were they were delirious. They didn't know where they were. So we'd done a bit of a warm up, and then we'll. Must have done a bit of training before that, but 
it was we're four efforts in and we've got two more to go and these two don't know where they are and the doctor's saying no, come and sit over here come and sit over here and, and have a rest whereas Steve Silvani and, and Sticks came in and saying no nah, he's right to go he's right to go and they just push him back out there again for another effort and after the fifth one you know they were vomiting and, and they did pull out but I just remember seeing that going wow that's the expectation yeah push yourself until you're exhausted yeah so um, it was a real learning curve um, it, was a, it was a big learning curve the, my coach at the time was Ross Lyon yeah and he's a ruthless uncompromising coach um, so he had some yeah, some, some really good coaching points, you know, match reviews and things like that. So, and that was that was confronting. Though I hadn't really copped that before, um, you know, watching the video, you know, pausing it and rewinding where you've made a mistake, doing, yeah. doing that three or four times. No and, hiding there, kind of. Yeah, thing, yeah. there's just no hiding. That that was a, a rude introduction of the the um, the ruthlessness of that level. Um, and then you know like eight games in I fracture my back Shit. and then um, you know that's it you know fracture my back and probably four weeks later I get called into the office and they're uh, they're you know letting me go to uh, so I'm not not a part of it anymore and and uh, so they can get someone else onto the onto the VFL list because that was very transient yeah. at the time they can drop you off and put you on you're holding onto a spot that could be used yeah. by someone who's fit yeah so they dropped me off and, and um, put someone else on and I ended up getting back and playing maybe the last game but um, that was a, a real rude shock when you're not needed what uh, was that like the drive home or you're sitting at home or whatever it was like <clears> you just got that phone call what's the headspace like you've just you've been there you're starting to make yeah. an impact you've gone to a the pioneers all that stuff and now it's all looking good done the full pre-season hanging around all those names you just listed and then yeah bang back can't control it and just hear that news yeah that's it was really tough i probably dealt with it pretty well at the time um and then yeah so i, I bounced back and did the rehab you know you get focused on, on what what's next so that was a rehab got back from that and then played the last couple of games back at carlton which was good and then um they, because they were a standalone team at the time, they got their own reserves. So now they and they decided to go with the Northern Blues and uh, make their amalgamation with Preston. So that was a bit of an extra drive for me. So I thought, oh, maybe I can go somewhere different. So that's where I changed to Coburg, and that's how I sort of ended up there. And so I'm were now they were reserves for Richmond at the time. They were reserves yeah. for Richmond at the time. Yeah, so they had their own. Um, reserves as well at their footy club but um yeah so i'm two years into uni um living in melbourne so i decided to quit uni and invest a year of my time into footy because i was i felt like i was close enough to be noticed to get an opportunity and i thought if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen in the next 12 months so i've got to make it happen Gutsy move. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, putting everything on the line a bit. There's no hiding if it doesn't work well and you're throwing everything out. No no excuses that, oh, I was working, I was at uni or whatever it was. Yeah, and then, so what followed next was, um, you know, the following season, went to Coburg, 
you know, great club, good guys. And I had some injury troubles with my ankle and basically didn't play. I had a, um, like a labouring type job, packing shelves and, you know, driving a forklift and that kind of stuff. And that for me, that year, I played maybe, I don't know, eight, nine games, maybe something like that, like a block of four, block of five. So, so my plan was completely defunct. Yeah, put everything hold to do this, and you play eight games. And so that that was, you know, I recovered from the back really well, and my mindset was really good. But once that started happening, and I put all my eggs in one basket, that that was pretty big for me, and that I didn't handle that very well at all. Um, can you talk about that what do you mean yeah you, yeah like, no, just it was, down what, what I now know it was definitely a form of depression yeah absolutely you know I didn't didn't go to any club functions wasn't any wasn't didn't engage in any um, many friendships or anything like that so you when I was turning 21 didn't want to have a 21st party ended up having one but didn't feel like I needed to be there um, yeah it was a real year of questioning who I am what am I doing mm-hmm. Um, and looking back at it now, it was, it was definitely a state of depression, absolutely. Um, so that that was really difficult because at the time, you're doing a labouring job, you hurt your ankle, you can't work, you can't play footy. Yeah. So what are you doing? You're sitting at home wondering what what in God's name are you doing? You know, that, that yeah. was really tough, really tough. It's not like you have sick level or anything banked up to be paying. No. Like, you know what I mean? You start to think about where's the rent money coming from, yeah. all those kind of things. And that's, and that's what happened. So mum and dad were really good. While I was at uni, they were prepared to help me out. While I was not, I was on my own, which is fair which enough. Which is fair enough, yeah. But, you know, and then I, I, I did have to make the phone call to mum and dad say, I don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to lend some money. So, and they were really good about that and they supported me through that. But yeah, at the end of that year, I was in that season. I was prepared to walk away. I was. I came home to Echuca. It was a. a we'll always remember this. I was in the driveway, mum and dad's, with tear in my eye and just saying, I don't want to go back. But, they made me go back. <laughs> so and then, I sort of started working at a um. An after school care as well at the time, and became interested in working with kids and while I was at Carlton we went to a few schools and did clinics and stuff like that and I thought yeah, teaching might be something that I might like to do so then I got refocused on that and at the time where I was living um, a housemate of mine got me going to the gym Yeah. so exercise and a goal were so key in getting me back mm. into some kind of mental state where I could engage in you know in life yeah um, which was really good so that going to the gym that that really got me motivated because I was getting stronger and it, it happened really quickly and over that process and I think I put on you know seven or eight nine kilos or something like that and became became a different player I was, yeah. a, I was a young ruckman young skinny ruckman I became strong enough to play key position and that really changed um, you know my footy for the that point onwards and things turned around like the body body was stronger playing good footy again um bit of a purpose with the teaching career yeah the, the footy no no but the next two years i was i was still injury riddled um yeah, right we at greenvale at this stage or no there was still a kobe still at kobe yeah. yeah so i had another two years there um some more ankle issues um some osteitis pubis sort of stuff 
So again, I couldn't get back on the park, but my mental state had changed so much that I was engaged in everything within the club. So running club functions, engaging in, you know, um, fun stuff around around the club, getting the players up. Even though I wasn't playing, yeah, got to find a way to, to get involved because it's very isolating when you're injured. Mm. You, you can't get involved in actual playing. That's what you want to do. So you miss out on a bit of that. But being involved in everything else but playing. And that probably started the the coaching side of things. I got an opportunity to sit in the coaching box, the games I didn't play. And there I am sitting there with um, David Flood, who was a coach at the time, played at, at Essendon. And then um, Terry Wallace would be in there as well every now and then. So just listening and watching the play unfold from the box, listening to the coaches that gave me a greater understanding of the game. So I learnt a lot more. And that, that sort of lit a little fire in me about the, the role of coaching. So it was, it was valuable. Even though I wasn't playing a lot of football, it was really valuable. So I think in my three years at Coburg, I think I played 32 or 33 games or something like that. So I really averaged 10 games a 10 season. Games a year, yeah. So really not much at all. Yeah. Um, but I learnt, I learnt. In terms of footy education, I walked out with a huge amount of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, which is so valuable. Yeah, and it's one of those things that they probably wouldn't have realised they're doing at the time, just having you sitting there and help yeah. out, but just observing and head spinning. and. Yeah. So no. then when you went back to play, having that knowledge of what you were seeing up in the coach's box, that would have been super valuable. I was immediately a better player. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know, missed three games, I reckon, the first time and sat in the box for three games. Went out that first game and was in the, in the best couple of players. Yeah. You know, in the in the reserves. So, you know, it made a massive impact. Yeah, it's on pretty my good, understanding isn't it? of the game. Yeah. So, anytime players get the opportunity to watch, it's it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then you finished up at Coburg. Yeah. So we finished there. Teammate of mine, um, his home club was Greenvale, and yeah, I'd sort of thought, yeah, I'm probably what was it twenty or something at the time that's pretty old yeah it's scary to think um, of that 24 or something like that so um, went to Greenvale so there was five of us that went to Greenvale um, and that was unreal we, we had such a great time you know that first year we got to the prelim um, amazingly we were up by 11 goals in the prelim final and we lost <laughs> we got rolled so that, that was an amazing game we yeah, 11 goals up midway through the second quarter. Quality of footy, obviously, down a level. So you guys would have been just dominating coming from Coburg? Yeah, down a level, but it's very, very good footy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, very good football. So you might come down a level, but there's plenty of AFL players that haven't been, you know... Taken from that level yeah. to go up yet. Yeah. Well, they haven't, been, they haven't made a great impact as well. So, yeah, it was, it was very good football. Um yeah, but yeah, knocked down the prelim final that year, which wasn't too good. And then another year, two years there? Yes, yeah, yeah. following, following year, undefeated in premiership. Yeah. So that was would, amazing. Would have been a good feel. That was unbelievable. You know, what you learn, we didn't really have much of a game plan, to be honest. <laughs> but we had super talented players. And again, that was a game where we should have lost. You know, 30-minute mark of the last quarter in the grand final. We're undefeated all year, and we're 14 points down. All right, yeah. so, 
And then in the last five minutes, quarter goes for 35 minutes. We kick five goals, two in the last five minutes oh, of the yes. game. And we win by three goals. Oh. It, it was just, you know, crazy to think. The opposition players are high-fiving each other on the bench saying the game's over. Yeah. The game goes for another five minutes and we've got a premiership medallion. And was that where you said about not so much the game plan, but that talent? Did that just rise in that last yeah. six or seven minutes and just won it for you? It was unbelievable. Yeah, we had a couple of really good players and they took the game by the scruff of the neck and it was it was all over. We ain't done kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. It was just, you know, always just fight to the end. That was um, stronger for longer was our, our motto for the year. Um, and that's that's what we, we stuck to and that's what we believed in. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. And then, you know, the following year we were undefeated and, and then we lose the grand final. Yeah, you know, right. That was so... We had an amazing period of three years where we lost five games. Yeah, 55 out of 60, you won. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. It was a really good time. But, um, yeah, you learnt to the highs and lows and you learnt that preparation is, is so important. You know, we didn't really prepare well enough for that second grand final and that's what happened. Yeah, right, we exposed were, a bit. We got exposed, so... What do you um, mean you didn't prepare, like, fitness-wise in pre-season or the game plan... Yeah, Things game, changed, game but... plan. So, yeah, we were outplayed on that um, in that game. So I think the opposition backs kicked maybe four or five goals, and yeah. you know, so they they ran run rampant, and you know, really kicked some important goals for them. And they were, they're coached by uh, Mick McGuan, who yeah. he coaches Keylor still. And was that before he went to Gisborne? Because he had a couple of years at Gisborne. Was that yeah, before or after? That was, that was he won after, a couple of flags with them as well. After Gisborne? Yeah. So he's got an amazing mind. Yeah. Um, he was he was sending people to watch us train, um, to his videotaping our games. Yeah. So he was preparing yeah. to beat us. Dead set preparation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. So then finished up there. And did that almost feel like he went full circle? Like that flag in 2001 the ups and downs through yeah. the injury and then to win another flag and finish on a success yeah to win another flag and, and really be a part of it mm. that, that was so important um, for me yeah it was really important now, I'd started to have some hip issues at the time as well so I was having post-season surgeries where I wasn't able to do much pre-season but I was able to play the seasons get fit um, for round one yeah yeah so it was a race to get fit for round one so I was starting to deal with some of that uh, injury troubles uh, again but but I was able to play the full year but it was really important just to be um, a part of the team and you know really driving for for something you know when you're 25 26 27 yeah now you're really a part of it and then what happened so teaching finished yeah so, so what I been teaching at that stage I was teaching at that stage that was that was my that was the toughest year first year that was crazy you know, I was getting to football training and I'd leave work just a little bit earlier, maybe five or something like that, and I'd go to football training and have a snooze in the car because I was, <laughs> I was wrecked. I was just so tired. And that was just a big adjustment for me, but I actually played probably some of my best football yeah. that year because I, I must have been... My mind was occupied. I wasn't thinking about it as much. But, yeah, I'd started teaching at Glenroy West, so in, in the uh, north... Western suburbs near Broad Meadows, so it's yeah very multicultural environment. I think we had 
45 different nationalities yeah. at our school. Um, so once again, thrown in the deep end and survived kind of thing? Yeah, it was a little bit. Um, there was a lot of support. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, it was really um, isolating at times. Like you're in the classroom all by yourself, you're learning how to deal with things, but that was the best way to do it. Yeah. I, I think it was really good in terms of classroom management skills. So you're either sink or swim. And, and I was able to swim, made some good friends there, still friends with those people as well. Um, and spent three years there. That, that was really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, right. So then how does this all end up for 2014, coaching Achuka? How did that opportunity come up and end up back here? Yeah, so after Greenville, decided I had three hip operations. Yeah, that was it for playing? That was it. Oh, well, it was getting close to the end. I didn't know how many seasons I had left. Opportunity came to go back to Echuca. So my good friend, Jai Welsh, rang me up and said, um, you know, the club needs some players to come back. And I said, yeah, all right, I'll do it. Um, and yeah, so I had three years there, so I had a bit of attachment and then retired at the end of 2011. Um, my hips are just, I had another two operations. I had five operations. Six months after I finished, I had a sixth. You know, like I'm, I was really struggling with the hips, so I couldn't do a lot of running. But um, yeah, 2014, the, the role at Echuca, obviously, in the two years that I wasn't at the club, um, yeah, the, the times became pretty tough on and off the field. That 2013 season, that 1 1 game, um, I think they struggled to find a coach to take over. Um, I was looking to coach at the time. I'd done 12 months of coaching in Melbourne at Uni Blues. Yep. Um, with their reserves. Back there again, yeah. Yeah, so I went back there again um, with their reserves. That was really good. Good introduction to coaching. And um, and I coached the midfield and the seniors as well. Yeah. Um, How'd they go that year, coach? Uh, it, the twos, we just missed out on finals yeah. by half a game yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, very unlucky but um, that was really good and then um, I had sat down with Craig Kelly at the time player agent manager mm-hmm. and asked just through a friend a contact and sat down with him and said you know what do I need to do to actually you know get a chance at maybe VFL or AFL level to, to maybe be a development coach or something like that and his instruction was go and coach your own team go and find out whether you actually want to coach and upskill yourself on video analysis and all that kind of stuff yeah cool. technology embrace it so then yeah so I looked at a few different coaching jobs and Echuca's came up was, wasn't going to touch Echuca with a 10 foot pole yeah. because from the outside looking in things had crumbled and, and things weren't going very well met Brett Stevens the president um, he painted a picture of um real organisation off field and, and business mind so they gave me confidence mm. and decided that I'll uh, I'll make a change yeah I'll move to Echuca move back to Echuca back home yeah and I love it I never thought I would move back I love I love the environment I love the weather um, the people are really good and it's been a really good move. Yeah. Really, really good move. But that hasn't been smooth. Like that description you say, just of moving back to Echuca, 2014, 11th, 15, 11th, 16th, 7th. Yeah. Some yeah. tough times in there. Coaching, yeah. yeah. Look, it was, I didn't envisage it being this difficult, to be honest. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I just thought I would come in and wave a magic wand and <laughs> kind of, you know, implement a few things and things would change. But, um, yeah, it's been really tough. You know, you've got to be able to recruit players and or develop players. Um, kids grow up and, and leave and go to Melbourne like I did. Mm. Um, yeah, and that just happened. So you've got to deal with that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, so the 11th, 11th, um, seventh last year so those those years um, hopefully are the making of the group mm. but um, weren't easy that's for sure because you, you you have expectations and every week you're just driving to you know improve and get better and, and that's all you're focused on every week mm. how much does that um, frustrate you because there's only so much you can do from the boundary line like so when it's you're trying to, I know how organised you are. Like I've seen yeah. your video analysis and we've had meetings and you show me all this whiz-bang amazing stuff, but at the end of the day, you're on the sidelines and you can't go out there and do it like you once did. Does that frustrate you at times? So incredibly frustrating. Yeah. I can only imagine. I, I still want to play the game. Yeah. I still would love to play the game. <clears throat> and I still would love to be out there directing and, and helping the guys out. But um, really, a, a coach's... Oh, not not useless on game day, but really the work a coach does is during the week, um, preparing the players, and then it's all about the players on game day. Mm. Players win and lose games. Um, you know, I'm a pretty firm believer that it's it's all about the players. You know, um, winning and losing games. So, um, and when it is the players, when you win, it's it's the players have done a great job. When you lose, it's it's on the coach really. It's that's something that you've got to be prepared for and yeah that's that's the way it is let's talk about your leadership style because what i've observed just the last six months is you seem to get on super well with the guys but it's not like your best mates with them but at the same time you do anything for them mm. but at the same time you feel like you click your fingers and it's all of a sudden i'm coach your player does that make sense like it's, yeah 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 it seems yeah. to be very i haven't seen many people operate i guess it's kind of like teaching you see people mm. go in there it's my way the highway stand up the front and yell at them for two hours but you seem to you know you get along super well with 16 seven like there's 17 year old mm. kids who look up to you but then you'd be happy to drive to a game i'm sure or pull them aside yeah. and have a bit of a chat to them but at the same time if you know you had guys doing 200 meter reps because they were stuffed around the other night and there's that scare not scare factor i guess yeah. but there's that level of respect that they yeah, they know you can be friendly with them, but at the same time firm. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I guess it comes back to connectedness. You know how much you connect with with the players, and if I can't connect with them, then I've really got no hope in being able to to get inside their heads and and get them to play our our way and our brand of football. So yeah, it's a. Uh, maybe it's a more personable approach to it I think the it's my way the highway can work um, I don't know how sustainable that is um, you know things are changing in the leadership world I think and you know I take some advice from different people and and um, you know it's all about sticking to what you know and what you believe and I, I just I just bet myself really that's that's as much as it is I have I have a belief in the way that, that I want the guys to play. and But at the same time, I've got to give them confidence. They've got to be able to be confident about playing their role on the weekend. I'm not there to tell them what to do. Um, they've got to make their own decisions out on the field. So that's really important for me to, to coach them 
to do that during the week and and I'm still learning how to do that to be honest um, but yeah it's uh, I enjoy the the respect yeah. between the between the young guys the older guys um, it's it's really good it's a good feel around like, I haven't been involved other than this this mm. last six months but it seems like a very good feel and good energy and like people good relationships do you find the same thing yeah the relationships have become deeper um, in the last 12 months so I think the guys are prepared to really buy into what we're doing I think that's the most critical thing that this group needs to achieve is the buy-in once they buy in uh they'll do anything for each other and once you do anything for each other then you've got a real team unity and you've got a a formula for success Mm. and especially the young group as well like if they're all on the same page and get that i don't know it feels like once they get that extra belief the sky's the limit like it's some of those guys or who excites you well, I guess oh, about yeah. picking favourites, but kind yeah. of, um, yeah. What are you excited about this season? Um, yeah, well, round one this week's going to be really good. You know, we straight up against your row, it's going to be a real test. Um, they probably don't know much about us. We don't know a lot about them either. So, um, But the young guys that um, I just would love to keep a hold of them for a longer period of time. Um, the McCann boys, Nick and, and Alex, have shown some improvement. You know, I think they can really play. Good kids as well. Yeah, like, they, yeah. They're, they're really good kids. Will Manane, um, you know, he'll, he'll play senior football this weekend, and he's. I'm really proud of the way he's gone about his football. He didn't he didn't play senior football last year, but he played the year before. He's talented enough to play every week. Um, he just needs to believe that he can, and hopefully, hopefully, I'm giving him enough belief that that he's good enough to play. Because I think he's he's got potential to be, you know, a, a solid fixture in our team every week. Alex Stewart's another young kid, you know, got plenty of upside. Can run, he's fit. Um, Angus Byrne, he's got lots of talent. He's got good hands. He's good in close. Um, he's developing his running capacity, which has been really good. Um, Oh, who else? Ben Costello. I mean, he's got such speed to burn. Mm. Um, and, you know, he kicked four goals in one of our practice matches. And, you know, he, he could have an impact on, on any game. Yeah. Um, but he plays small forward, and that's the toughest role in the game. Yeah. You know, you could kick four goals one week and get to exactly the same positions the next week, and you'll, you'll kick. Well, you won't even get an opportunity. Don't you know? get a kick. With, yeah. You don't get a kick. You get you play the same role. You play the same way, but you don't get a kick. So, you know, he's a young guy that excites me. Um, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing our our older players um, develop with their leadership as well. Mm. It's a strong leadership group. Yeah, look, we've put invested a bit of time in the leadership program. So, that, do other clubs do that same thing? Like I was pretty impressed to hear. No, what yeah. Do. I'm not sure. We've just identified that. You know, we lost four games last year under 10 points and we sort of felt like that was a bit of a, a leadership sort of thing on the field, being able to drive So that seventh last year could have easily been fourth. Those four games, yeah. were, which looks pretty good, 11th, 11th, 4th. Yeah, but, it does. Uh, it, makes, yeah, it makes you look better, but it makes the whole club and yeah. everything look like it's on a good trajectory. But um, Absolutely, yeah. So that's, those, that's frustrating. I didn't realise that. Yeah, so you lose those four games and... You know that um, 
and they're pretty important those games but um, yeah the leadership group have yeah we've developed a leadership program um, and they're learning to get to know each other better um, learn what their leadership styles are <clears throat> they're being introduced to other leaders within sport within business and just learning from their experiences and just to develop their own self-awareness um, the connection between each other but just to become better leaders yeah that's that's the the whole preface of the you know of that program and it seems to be going pretty well but now the test is the actual games yeah implementing it it's, yeah um, that's under the pressure that's and that's the beauty that's where we play competitive sport you know it's it's all out in the line and and everyone can see yeah and it's, especially this weekend when it's twilight game and a duke yeah. easter saturday there'll be there won't, like game. there'll be a stack of people there there'll be no hiding Easter Saturday it's it's going to be really good yeah you know it's it's going to be a really good opportunity for those guys to stand up tall and um, be proud of, of what they've achieved over the pre-season and, uh, and let it rip yeah going back to that word pressure I mentioned before do obviously you've got to feel it like yeah is there I don't know it's kind of I know we're running. Like, I stuff up a running race. That's my head on the chopping block. That's, you know, I'm the only one to blame. I can't blame my coach. He writes the program. I choose what foods go into my body, so I can't blame nutrition. Yeah. But when you're walking off the field and things haven't gone the way and they, you know, you might lose two or three in a row, like, how do you cope with that, I guess? Is it, do you feel it? And then how do you cope with it? Most weeks, the mentality is the same, whether or when I lose, and that is, how do I get better? Yeah how does the team get better so um, that's really important for me just to always think of that okay what did we do well what do we need to improve on because that's going to dictate what we the way we train this week <clears throat> so sometimes I don't know I almost don't get to enjoy the, the wins no, it's, yeah. I always just move on to the next thing um and people have asked me about that, the pressure thing, and I I don't read the papers. Well, I was about to um, say, it depends where the pressure's coming from. So if yeah. you're not reading the review, you're not listening to Joe Boy down the street bailing your up no, about No, I, I like, don't. I don't listen to the noise. You know, yeah. People talk about the noise, and I don't listen to the noise. Um, social media? Social media. Gotta be careful there to not... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't yeah. read the comments on the Riz Facebook page about a Chuka footy club if there wouldn't be people that you'd listen to and value Absolutely. their opinions in the street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's dangerous to listen to the noise and to stay grounded and stay focused. You've got to know what you're what you're focusing on. And that, for us, is, you know, this week it's Yeroa, the following week it's Benalla. And it's training. What do we got to achieve at training? Um, and it helps being organised in that in that sense. You know, so the game finishes and and I'm already, I've got the video. The next day, I'm straight into the analysis of it. So it'll be, you know, I could spend an hour, I might spend three hours looking at the video and, and editing and that and cutting it using a program that I have. Um, you know, giving players feedback, that's probably something I want to focus more on is giving players more feedback um, on their game and really telling them what, they, what they've done well um, to fit into our system and the, once that ball starts rolling like it's you're straight on to the next week it's yeah you know that's that's it you, you forget about the you know the win or the loss 
and then straight on to the next week. It's and that's probably where the, the belief that you know as a player they've got to really enjoy every win they get, and it is really about um, the players. You know, how do you switch off? Like, do you ever? Like you wake yeah. up at two o'clock in the like I'm thinking you're working full time <clears throat> as a teacher, so you got kids at you, you're teaching perimeter, you're doing whatever. That's intense. I know what that's like. Yeah. And then you go on a footy training, <clears throat> and then any second of spare time sounds like you're analysing games, giving players yeah. feedback, recruiting over. Like that must be a massive yeah. job in itself. So how do you? I guess the question is, talk to me a bit about life balance, and how how do you do it? To be honest, yeah. I don't know if it's that balanced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's twenty five to between twenty and thirty hours a week, mm-hmm. depending on the weeks. Yeah, you know, it's around about twenty five hours a week. The the footy stuff takes up, which includes training, game day, all that kind of stuff. So there's a number of hours there that, that go into preparation and and game day. But the balance, yeah, that's that's really difficult for me, and that's where I find I've just started going back to the gym uh, last month which is something I haven't done for five years yeah you know like when I finished I put on 10 kilos straight away it was up to 109 110 kilos um, you know and then I sort of dropped a little bit in the last um, you know sort of three months or so um, just through diet and then I've started going back to the gym so I've put a, a conscious effort on doing something for myself your own well, yeah. um, my own health and well-being otherwise um, I'll just get burnt out um, mm. but it's it's really difficult I've got a, a great girlfriend who's very understanding so um, and she's she's never demanding or anything like that so she allows me to do what I need to do in either teaching or coaching to to be able to do those jobs so it's worth knowing though she comes from an elite sport back she knows yeah. she's a teacher so she knows that part of the job and she knows the elite sport background as well yeah she does you know being a tennis player it's got to help yeah playing on the circuit and things like that that's you know that's a, a lot of focus in one area so I think she understands that and um, you know there'll be times on, on Sunday we might be in the same room for two hours and then sort of by the way i how was netball yesterday? How did you go? Yeah. <laughs> um, We've already cut up four people's yeah, profiles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's... Balance is really important. I'm really working on trying to improve that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, you, you I'll just get burnt out. And that's... I don't want that. I don't want that for the players. I don't want that for my own health and well-being. Um, that's not going to get us to where we want to yeah. get to. Yeah. And if you're the role model, you've got to be... You know, putting in that's got to be sustainable for you yeah because if you break it's going to not look good for the rest of the guys below you absolutely yeah and that's that's pretty important to whatever you're doing to make it sustainable so if it's what you do make sure you do it every week because um, if you don't do it every week you, your focus will go from you know player analysis to something else next week and then it's a bit inconsistent mm. for the players and, and people like consistency I think yeah for sure Last question, mate. I ask everyone this. Have you got any life mantras or like a philosophy or anything you live by? A quote? Oh. Putting you on the spot a bit. Um, <clears throat> prepare well. Mm. Always prepare well. When I play my best football, I was always very well prepared. When I coach well, I'm always 
well prepared. When I teach well, I'm always well prepared. If you don't put the time in to prepare, then expect to fail. Yeah. Really, and that's, you know, I think a lot of players in football, they, they waste some of their early years. They don't know how to prepare, and that's probably what the, the leaders are there for. But, um, yeah, preparation is, in my life, very, very important. Yeah. Do you think... Um do you think players, especially Echuca, because I, I'm there and I know what's happening, but mm. do you think the expectation of the amount of preparation time is low? Like, I guess, yeah. you know, I come from a running background and you work full time, but you find 13 hours a week to, to run, massage, physio, mm. core, whatever it is. Whereas that expectation that you go train Tuesday and Thursday for your hour and a half, there's your three hours, your game day, two hours, three hours or whatever on a Saturday. But, you know, if you're getting up to do one extra run a week, you're almost putting in these so many extra yards and you're a hero and if you get an extra gym session. But overall, it's still, you know, there's a lot of age group triathletes. Sandy, I can give, like, he does 20 hours of extra preparation a week to go yeah. to age group triathlon. Whereas I'm looking at some of these guys and it's been interesting trying to change. And I think we've finally got there in the last yeah. couple of weeks that, you know, it's not hard to find two extra runs a week or an extra gym or... Yeah. So for a bloke like you who lives by the be prepared, yep. there's only so much you can prepare the guys in your time. Does that frustrate you sometimes that you can't hold their hand and force them to prepare? Yeah, yeah. it's probably the, the hardest thing around coaching is um, the players you coach don't always have the same mentality as you. Mm. So for me, I would, out of season, I'd be four gym sessions the two or three training sessions yeah. plus an extra run probably yeah. so in season I would my program was usually play Saturday um, active recovery Sunday with with a gym on Sunday as well gym on Monday train Tuesday gym and a run on Wednesday train Thursday relax Friday play Saturday so my preparation was um, you know pretty good yeah and that allowed me to play really good football um yeah, and that's that's what I believe it takes to play at you know at a GB level. Well, just to get the really best out good. of yourself. Yeah, like you just, you just what's gotta, your limit? Absolutely. So you've got to um, you've got to invest the time into that preparation because it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, can't expect to walk out in the field and and be strong and um, and run well or understand the game if you hadn't sat down and watched your own footage or all that kind of stuff. So the, that is, that's probably a frustration that I have. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it's about providing an environment where um, players can take those opportunities and excel. And then last year we ran a bit of a uh, outside of training, um, uh, what do you call it? We called it the... Um, the Badger Award. So the Honey Badger is a, a relentless and fierce creature. Yeah. And um, we set up a little page where the players would post any extra sessions that they did. And Ben Reed was um, by far over across the year the most outstanding Badger. Um, he won best and fairest. He won our best yeah. and fairest, and now he's playing VFL footy yeah. at Geelong. So it's not rocket science, is it? That it's that is that is absolute proof that you know you prepare. The way you play it comes down to the way the way you prepare. Yeah. So that was really good to do that last year, um, and I think they 
they get it. You know, yeah. they see that and they understand it. You know, geez, Reedy's off playing VFL football. Yeah. And that's paid off. But I think it's also important to not force it because then you break the relationship. Like, you know what I mean? Like, having yeah. them on board. And I think, as I said, like, what we've done the last three or four weeks is, like, you just look at the numbers to the additional runs. have just grown one or two extra a week. And you just got to keep offering and just people will be ready to take it when they when they're ready to yeah. have a crack at it. My role as coach is to provide an environment where everyone can have access to success. Yeah. So that looks different for some players and some players want to tap into coaches more. So I just provide that opportunity. And if they take it, they take it. If they don't, then, you know, at least I've provided the opportunity and yeah. the environment where they can take it if they want to. I think yeah. the first time we ever met, I don't know if it was um, the first time we met, but when we sat down at the Echuca that day and had a bit of a chat, something that really struck me about what you said that day was you just wanted to provide an environment where parents know that if their 18-year-old kids are playing for a Echuca footy club, they're going to be looked after with mm. people like who can give them opportunities and they're going to be there if they need assistance. Yeah, I think that's just so important. It's a tough world for young guys today. So they need to be able to come to footy if that's a release and, and feel comfortable and have a good time. And that's exactly what the footy club's about. doesn't matter if it's AFL or, you know, in the Cola League or whatever it is. You know, it's the footy club is a place to go and enjoy what you do. Yeah. That's what they're there for. They're there to play football. They're there to enjoy what they do. If they don't enjoy what they do, well, they're not going to be at your footy club for very long. Yeah. Yeah. Footy clubs are good like that, aren't they? Like that sense of you know community and the Thursday night dinners and yeah, there's more to it than just playing footy. Well, I spent one year out of the football system in the last twenty, and I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, hence, I got back into it. Yeah. So uh, I think they're great environments. Yeah, and just it just brings good connection with community with people. Um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic place to be. Beautiful, mate. Thanks for that. I better not take up any more of your time. It's been a pretty good chat. That's Anywhere right. um, people can follow you on Instagram or anything? What are, you, what are your handles? Um, oh, no, I'm pretty quiet on the, uh, <laughs> the social media. But, Chuga um, Footy Club on Facebook. Yeah, Chuga Footy keep, Club. Keep in um, track there. I think uh, Instagram, it's uh, abriggs9, um, I think, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You're to, pretty modest. Some, you won't be putting up how good are we at Chuga Footy Club stuff are. Um, no, no, look, I stick away from all that sort of social media stuff. I post a lot in our internal web, inter, internal yeah. page, but um, outside of that, now nah, if I'm on holiday or something like that yeah. over the States, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll post what I'm doing. But, Don't uh, follow him if you want to be looking at putting <coughs> stuff. It's all uh, holiday snaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, no, thanks for having me, mate. Nah, hopefully, no worries, mate. Be, hopefully um, the listeners out there have... Um, yeah, I've learned a bit and I hopefully we get a few of those fellas listening because I think if they um, they listen to that last hour and a bit, they'd get a pretty good insight of what makes you tick and strengthen that relationship a bit. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been um, it's been good to pick your brain for an hour and a bit. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers.
there you go. That was episode number 11 with Andrew Briggs. Thanks for listening. Hope you got a bit out of that. I definitely did. His, uh, his life mantra of be prepared is pretty powerful. And I know with distance running, it's, um, there's no hiding out there. So that's definitely one that I also live by. Um, heaps of pieces of wisdom there. I'll let you unpack it in your own time and your own thoughts. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you again next week.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.